Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber and our guest, Waleed Shubat. It's Shubat, isn't it, Waleed? Uh, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> why, are we, why we want to kill you talking about the jihadists and the terrorists? So there's an interesting thing. I, I understand in the Middle East, some of the Christians over there in the Arab countries or close to Israel, um, the Christians live in the same level of poverty and, and uh, uh, affluence as a lot of the Muslims, and yet there's no Christi- uh, Christian suicide bombers going on. What on earth is behind that? Well, this is the whole crux of the matter. This is why what I've been saying regarding the salvation issue of uh, the Muslim, because in Islam, the only way you can assure yourself to salvation is by dying in jihad. Uh, so this is why you don't see Christian suicide bombers. The argument could be is that Christians are not accustomed to suicide uh, bombing and things of that sort because there's not many Christian terrorists. That's not true. Because you, you, if you look at the, the organization after the PLO and terrorism in the Palestinian areas, you have the PFLP, the Popular Front to Liberate Palestine, founded by a Palestinian Christian. Uh, now, by far, this is not a real Christian, as, I, as you see evangelical Christians in the West. But these so-called Christian terrorists do not commit the acts of suicide bombing. Why? If it's true that the argument that the reason people blow themselves up is as a result of deprivation or as a result of occupation or, or as a result of poverty, right. and since poverty and deprivation is equal among Christians and Muslims in yep. the Palestinian community, how come we never find a single case in point that we see Christian terrorists blow themselves up? Yes. So this response refutes the whole notion that the idea that Palestinians blow themselves up is a result of the occupation because they blow themselves up in other countries. So it's totally uh, Islam religion-based. That's right. I asked a question, in fact, at a university, you know, regarding this issue. One professor, and of course the professors in the West, kind of uh, bought into the idea that the occupation is the root of all evil. Uh, he says, well, it's the, the reason Palestinians blow themselves up is as, as a result of poverty. So I wanted to ask the students the question. I said, is there anybody from India in the crowd? One student said, I am from India. I said, do you guys have poverty in India? He said, we have lots of poverty in India. I said, do you guys kill yourselves as a result of poverty? Do you commit suicide acts as a result of poverty? Do you blow yourselves up as a result of poverty? He said, no, sir. In India, we have poverty. We don't blow ourselves up but they come from Pakistan, and right. they blow us up. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So, um, basically, it looks like, well, here in, in uh, John Quincy Adams, he's the sixth president of the United States, you have him quoted here, the essence of his doctrine, uh, of Muhammad's doctrine, was violence, or Allah's doctrine, Muhammad's doctrine, violence and lust, to exalt the brutal over the spiritual part of nature. So, this is a spiritual vo- doctrine, uh, based in violence and lust, and you know, I can't imagine unless it was a really holy thing, which I never get from uh, the Muslims, uh, that the way they spread over so much of Africa, uh, Arabia, and Asia, and, and they creeping in the whole world is basically uh, violence. Absolutely, and it's amazing that you find a president of the United States of America. Uh, as uh, Quincy Adam Jones uh, uh, 
you know, you, who would, you know, uh, write this quote. These these guys knew what they were dealing with at that time. Yeah. I... Yes, they did study the Quran to understand the enemy. Yes. Uh, yet today the Quran is being used, uh, supposedly from a president of the United States of America, to swear over it. And uh, what Westerners don't understand is the Quran is a constitution. It's not simply a religion. This is why it has all this violent element in it. Uh, this is why you see Muslims demonstrate. What do they say? They say, Al-Qur'anu dusturuna. It's Arabic, which means the Qur'an is our constitution. This constitution is a cult-like process. Islamic fundamentalism is very clear. You go to Lebanon and you see Nasrallah giving speeches. What is he doing? He is giving speeches to the masses in order to convert them and make them, transform them, to become remorseless killers and seekers of salvation by death. And the goal is to establish an Islamic hegemony in order to make Islam and Muslims dominant and non-Muslims subservient. They always look back to the glory days when Islam was triumphant throughout the ancient world. This is a system that is nothing new. This is a system that did not come as a result of America occupying Iraq or Israel going back home, Jewish people establishing a state. Because this system existed long time ago from the time of the Prophet Muhammad. In fact, when the Islamic Caliphate was dismantled in 1924, the Muslim movement began in 1928 under the guise of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, uh, four years later. And always been attempting to revive Islam in its glory days as they've seen it. And this attempt has never ceased or stopped until today. We simply, what we see today is a uh, success of this movement as a result of the lack of understanding of the West. Because the West aided the Mujahideen in Afghanistan in which it gave confidence for the Islamic build-up. That's the problem. We did the same thing in Gaza when we asked Jews to leave their communities. Yeah. We did the same thing in Lebanon when we asked Israel to evict out of Lebanon. These were considered victories to Islam in which it gave birth to the confidence level that they will revive Islam as it was in the glory days. And that's what we see. So, um, you know, uh, evil only recognizes greater power and strength. So as we're trying to be nice and tolerant and work things out and understanding... Politically correct. Politically correct. Perfect, Charmaine. They think we're weaker, which gives them more confidence to do their agenda that they've had since 600 A.D., which is to take over the world. That's in their religion, to take over the world. And they've yeah. been after it. And if, if they're on the weaker side... They uh, they just agree with you and then keep working at trying to take over. And if they're the stronger side, they just kill you if you don't agree with them. Exactly. And the game is very well played. You have the peaceful Islamic apparatus in the West that keeps saying Islam is a peaceful religion. And they express this peace by violence when do, in which when the Pope makes a comment and he says Islam must never be propagated by violence, 
They object and they say Islam is a peaceful religion. They express this objection by violence. <laughs> if that is not a wake-up call for what... Hello. I don't know what else. Are we paying attention? <laughs> We're talking to here here today with Wally Chubat, who is talking about uh, his book, Why We Want to Kill You, and is trying to help all of us understand on a deep level how the terrorists and jihadists think so that we can understand we're in trouble, folks. These guys aren't going to go away. Their whole religion is based on wiping out everybody else. It's a problem. So this is the method of Allah and, and the Muslims is to deceive. And, you know, I often wondered, the United States with Iran and different things, it always seemed like, you know, over many years, that we were running into a extremely proud, ego-proud people. So if we were getting extra bucks or extra power, it would really, really torque them and develop a, a hatred because of their pride. Pride means that I want to have the all the favors my way and I want to be dominant and use everybody else. So I think by us being pretty fluid and uh, even some of our businesses maybe manipulating a bit, it really torqued them because they want to be the top dog, not share it or anything else. Exactly. In fact, in a family reunion, a uh, Palestinian family reunion, my family, it was in the West here in America, I began to probe and ask questions. I said, well, since now you have the PLO ruling over uh, in the Palestinian areas, do you like it much better than when Israel ruled your areas? They said, not really. Uh, under Israel, those were the good old days where there was jobs and things were much better. I said, well, why don't you then speak out and bring Israel back? Their answer was remarkable. They said to me, son, you know very well that we will never accept Jews to rule over us. So it's an issue of pride and it's an issue of racism that I'm not going to accept Jews to rule over me to be the boss or to be in charge. In fact, one Muslim was asked the question, if the Jews of Israel convert to Islam, do you think you will still have a Palestinian-Israeli war? His answer was no. Then it's not an issue of land, is it? That's it's right. An issue. Yeah, it's an issue of racism. So evil supports evil and goes against good. And it seems like, you know, the Muslims can do anything, even to each other. And, you know, it's sort of nobody makes a big noise. But any little even idea, even a planted idea about the West or Israel, uh, they just stoke the fire and get that thing going. So it, it's an intended racism, and it's intended, like Arafat, not to solve the problem. It's simply intended to pester everyone else until you wear them down. And us being politically correct and, and tolerant and everything, you know, it scares me what's, how things are heading. Absolutely. In fact, in Islam or Islamic law, a Muslim is not to be executed for killing a non-Muslim. If a Muslim kills another Muslim, then that Muslim should be executed for the murder of a Muslim. So in other words, if you kill a non-Muslim, it's not considered murder. Wow. See, it's considered manslaughter. Right. How, how about a woman? If, if a Muslim man kills a woman? It doesn't matter. If she is an unbeliever, if she's not Muslim, then it is considered manslaughter. Okay. So you can imagine the danger zone for uh, Christian communities, minorities that live in Egypt or live in, in, in many Muslim countries. Yeah. Uh, you know. You got uh, no rights. 
they have no rights. Absolutely, your rights basically diminish. You you are not considered a, a full uh, citizen with full rights. So it doesn't matter if you're an incredibly good person, that all the actions and deeds that you do, it's just a good person, doesn't matter. You're not right. Islam, so you're not worth anything. Absolutely. And the Muslims like to pride themselves that Islam was a great civilization. Look at Spain. They say, look at Spain. You know, the Islamic civilization in Spain was phenomenal. Right. Well, the response to this is very simple. Why would Muslims always want to look at Spain to show how they prospered in a civilization? Why are they choosing a European country with Christian ideals and Western ideals to show that they succeeded? Uh, if you look at Islam from its origin in Saudi Arabia, you will find there was no civilization in Saudi Arabia from the beginning of the founding fathers of Islam. What is there in Saudi Arabia that Muslims can be proud about regarding a civilization? Saudi Arabia was a nothing land until the discovery of the oil. They simply established an Islamic hegemony in Christian lands, and, uh, you know, uh, they began to realize the flourishing communities with Jews and Christians. They realized the benefits of these people, so they banked on it. That's all it was. Uh, yet we uh, yeah. in, the, in the West seem to educate our kids at university regarding the Islamic civilization, and immediately, as soon as you speak to a Muslim, they become to be prideful about, look at Islam in Spain, and look at the Dark Ages in the West, and look at the Crusades and this and that, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You, you know, um, in the United States, there's a lot trying to knock the Patriot Act down and, uh, you know, government can't listen on phones for terrorists or anything, you know, because of rights being violated. What do you have to say about that? Well, Americans have two choices. Either somebody can tap into their conversation with their wife or their girlfriend, or they blow up in midair. Take a choice. There is no other choice, because if we do not monitor the situation, we do not tap into the phones and all these things, we will never be able to, you know, squelch these terror attacks. Uh, you know, because you need we, the you need the information. We need the information. We yeah. need to monitor these things. In fact, as as the Patriot Act succeeded somewhat in America, I noticed, and I, I speak to Muslims, and they're very afraid of saying things on the phone because they realize that they're being watched. Right. So it basically puts the communities in check who want to adhere to Islamic fundamentalism. Right. We need to begin to ask the question. We need to implement the Patriot Act in a way to begin to ask a question from Muslim immigrants and Muslim students coming to this country, do you adhere to Islamic fundamentalist belief system? You know, if you're found guilty of walking into a demonstration calling for the destruction of the United States of America, then your citizenship needs to be revoked, your green card needs to be revoked, and your student visa needs to be revoked. Yeah. So we need to implement laws and regulations to keep the Islamist in check in this country and to keep this country free and clear from this threat, because if we do not protect this nation, then I guess the cancer will spread even in this country, as we have seen it spread all throughout Europe. Right. You know, when I was in college in the 70s, um, there was some Iranians, and, uh, you know, some of them were likable, some of them weren't, but they were absolutely hostile against America. Absolutely. I was, as a matter of fact, I had an Iranian uh, roommate. His name was Ali Reza. 
he participated in, you know, uh, flipping these police cars. You know, remember those days? Yeah. They went around demonstrating and, you know, flipping cars and stuff like that, burning Molotov cocktails. It was horrible. And Americans still were not aware regarding this rise of Islamic fundamentalism. So in the Koran, is it just vaguely, does it just vaguely support terrorist activities, or, or is there more than just a little bit that says do that? There are very clear verses in the Quran, specifically in Surah 9, calling for jihad against the people of the book, the people of Scripture. Why the people of the book? Why the people of Scripture? This should be a very good question, you know, Americans need to ask themselves. Yes. You know, it is a war against the Judeo-Christian world. That's right. Uh, in fact, many Muslims would argue and say, Walid, if the Quran is a violent book, show me the verse. They begin to argue this verse and that verse and this verse. You're interpreting it wrong. Yeah. This is the uh, the method always used by the apologists for Islam. However, the counter uh, response to this is that uh, the hadith or asir al-nabawiyya, the statements made by the Prophet Muhammad, all the documents by the Prophet Muhammad, this phenomenal documentation about how Muhammad, the Prophet of Islam, interpreted the Quran. The Quran is basically, thus saith Allah. The Hadith is basically, thus saith Muhammad. Just as Christians would look at the Old Testament. The Old Testament is, thus saith the Lord. Right. we got to take a break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. We'll be right back. <laughs> 